0: So I want to tell you, um, as we get started today, I've spent probably the past three weeks struggling with the temptation to try to cultivate a very entertaining sermon. And the idea behind trying to cultivate an entertaining sermon is that there are those in the room who don't attend church very often, and my goal was to bring something entertaining enough that it would help motivate you to attend more frequently. And I'm just being honest with, you know, what I've struggled with in that regard. But the fact is, um, you know, I can bring elements of humor into this today as much as possible. And, but I just want to say loud and clear, you will never kill a giant with a joke. And we need something more than just highly entertaining ministry expression going on in the body of Christ. We need impartation from heaven. You don't really need my clever. We need God's power. So let's believe for God's power today as we move forward in what he has in store. Would you just join me? I I really believe God wants to help all of us take a step forward in our posture of uh, surrender. And so just if you would put your hand on your heart and Lord, we invite you uh, just to help us today. Lord, I, I thank you that, that we didn't show up to make presentations, but there's something far more important going on here than that. And so uh, I, th- I thank you, Lord, you know where each and every one of us are. As you asked Adam, where are you? Constantly helping Adam and constantly helping us to explore and to understand where we are, so that we might have a better picture of where we are not. And maybe what we need to see today, or we'll be able to see, that will simply help us take one step forward in a greater posture of surrender, that we might understand what your plans are for our lives, for our world, and for generations to come after us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So what I want us to do, um, we're going to look at a very familiar portion of Scripture in our time that we have together, it's a portion of Scripture that's actually a prophetic expression, but you've probably never heard anybody talk about this particular portion of Scripture being a prophecy, because in our church world, uh, we view this particular portion of Scripture through the lens of what has already happened, because it has, historically speaking. So we're gonna go to Psalms 23. And I want you to think, we know this portion of Scripture, most of us can probably quote this verse, and we're actually going to say it all together in just a moment, but I want you to think about that first segment, the Lord is my shepherd. And what a prophetic declaration this was in the day when men and women were longing for a day that you and I clearly understand, know, experience, enjoy, and that's the day when the Messiah would come. And he would usher into humanity a perspective of friendship with God, like all people get to be friends with God. This is amazing, you know. Like that's something we just look at and say, "Well, yeah, that's right." I hear that preached all the time. But like in their day, when this was being written and expressed and rehearsed, then they were longing for the day when they could move past all of the corruption of humanity and all of the issues that they had experienced with various leaders in Israel and kings and all, you know, everything that had been taking place, there was this mindset, this attitude, this realization, this hope, this anticipation. One day, one day, the Lord will be my shepherd. One one day, men and women will have a friendship with God in such a way that he will guide them through every step of their life, every day. I mean, do you understand how profound that is? And like we, we don't understand it from a standpoint of we just heard it so much and we're so familiar with it, but people longed for what you and I have. And aren't you thankful Jesus came to make a way for you, make a way for me? He changes everything. I just want you to know Jesus does change everything in life and he changes everything in death. And I want us today, we're going to commit together. We've been talking about this as a family. We want to give God's word home court advantage, right? How many of you know we've got a game tonight, the playoffs are happening, and uh, when when the Thunder play the Rockets at home, the Thunder fans are going to be loud because it is home court advantage. So when the Word of God is spoken around the men and women of God, the men and women of God get loud because God's Word has home court advantage in this place. Come on, the devil is a liar, and we're going to cheat him today out of what he's trying to cheat us out of. So I want you to say this with me, and I want you to say it boldly, loudly. Let's declare this verse of Scripture. The whole chapter will pop up behind me, and if you can read it, you perhaps can rehearse it from memory. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. One of the most beautiful expressions of God's heart for humanity that we've just read. There are two verses in this that I just want to kind of uh, pull apart a little bit, see from a different perspective, and it starts with verse 1, and then we'll talk about verse 5. But for Verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, and what does that say? I shall not want. It's an interesting verse. I, I'm not sure if you've ever really thought about what that means. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So, I, you know, I've noticed, and perhaps you have as well, humanity, all of us, every one of us, we tend to be in this continual quest for more. Don't we? Like, it's, it's as if accomplishments are great, and once we make an accomplishment, we celebrate that accomplishment, and we're excited about that accomplishment until the celebration of that accomplishment wears down. And then we need what? Not only another accomplishment, a greater accomplishment. We need a bigger accomplishment. And then we have acquisition, and we celebrate something we've acquired. And then when the celebration wears down, we need another acquisition. We need to acquire not just something more, but something bigger. We're constantly striving for something more, something bigger, and it's in the heart of humanity to do so. I want us to understand it just a little bit, but let's just talk a little bit of confession, if we could. How many of you in the room, you are lane changers? Can I just see? You know what I mean by that? You're in the highway, and the car in front of you is not going as fast as you'd like to see the car in front of you going? And then the car in the lane next to you there you know that lane is actually going faster and so you change lanes you move over to go faster and you go a little faster and then what normally happens Right, Your lane slows down, and that car that you were right behind gets way up there, and you know you do it. You look and you think about what kind of car is it, what color is it, because I'm going to watch and see if ultimately I can come back and get past it. How many of you have ever done it before? Raise your hand, you bunch of sinners. Thank you. And so, I mean, we're lane changers, and, and this, is why, this is why we change lanes. I'm convinced I figured this out. We change lanes because we are born for more than where we've been. Like, I was born for more than this. I'm driving behind the car, and I'm thinking to myself, I've got to get out of here. I'm born for more than this, you know? In the words of the great theologian, Sammy Hagar, I can't drive 55. (laughs) So, you know, when when the police officer pulls you over and begins to talk with you about, you know, going too fast, you just feel free to tell him, listen, I'm born for more than this. And let me know how that works out for you but you actually are born for more and that's why there's a sense of discontent and if we can understand what that is and then plug that into the equation of the Lord is my shepherd, I can find fulfillment. I shall not want. It's a really important principle. There are two hugely important principles for us to get that I just felt like the Lord was asking me to focus on. This one's born out of the idea in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11. The Bible says, God has planted eternity in the human heart. God has planted eternity in the human heart. How many of you know whatever God plants will grow? So literally, there is eternity growing in your heart right now. You have, I mean, do you understand that concept? You have eternity growing in your heart. And that's why in the temporal world in which you and I live, it's very difficult to find anything that's going to fulfill us for very long because there's eternity that exists within us. You are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. And the best human experience you can have is not going to fulfill the spiritual side of who you are. Come on, let's give that a little home court advantage today. We accept that. You were born for more. The best moment the world has to offer will never fulfill your life. And I'm, I'm just want you to know, we as Christians, we, we don't have a hard time working to be spiritual. We, we do that. You know what? We have a hard time remembering many times. We as Christians have a hard time Remembering to be human. I mean, if you think about what I'm saying, like, I'm not downing human moments because human moments are awesome, and there's some amazing experiences God intends for us to have. It's just that He never intended for those to try and fulfill us. And when you try and use something that God never intended for you to find true fulfillment from to actually discover fulfillment, then you'll find yourself constantly being unfulfilled. The answer to all of this plug in the equation the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I mean, it really changes everything. I mean, you, you, you do think, and I do too, you know, if only, if only this, if only that. And, uh, and sometimes we need to rehearse the blessing. I actually uh, heard Oprah talk about this, and it was a great point. She, uh, she said, You know, I, I have a gratitude journal, and I take out my gratitude journal on rainy days when I'm feeling depressed. And I read in my gratitude journal all the things that I'm thankful for, and it helps me regain my happiness in those moments of difficulty. How many of you think that's a great idea? I mean, that's a great idea, like a gratitude journal. But you know what I thought? I kind of went right past the idea of a gratitude journal. I, I'm thinking, Oprah <laughs> needs a gratitude journal? Like Oprah. Oprah. Oprah wealthy Oprah everything she wants in this world everything this in fact I'm just going to walk you through a little bit of lifestyle by Oprah I'm going to read these pictures are going to pop up and you'll be able to see she has a 52 million dollar house in California she has expansive gardens uh, engineered roses that are named after her she has a tea house and she loves to meditate in the tea house a Chicago luxury duplex a 68 million dollar mansion in New Jersey she has ski homes summer homes she took her staff on a cruise, $800,000 to rent the boat. She has uh, her will, she has $30 million left to her dogs in her will. Uh, She has her own street named after her. She has a chef that's like a famous chef on Chef Masters, makes the best grilled cheese sandwich probably you ever tasted. She has her own $42 million custom designed jet. She owns 63 acres in Maui. She doesn't go to Hawaii, she owns Hawaii. And she also has a farmhouse in Hawaii. She has vacation homes. I mean, All these things, like today, I think I will not be here and I will go anywhere and not even think a thought about it. And on my way, I'll have my personal chef on my custom jet make me anything I want to eat. And she needs a gratitude journal for days she feels depressed. Does anybody see this? Like, for real? (laughs) What are you chasing? What are you thinking you'll acquire, achieve, accomplish that's going to bring fulfillment and happiness in your life? Because maybe the world's just full of this deception that's born from the heart of the enemy and God himself is trying to draw us in and say, let me be your shepherd and you will discover what it is to live a life that's not longing for something you'll never find in this world. This will never happen until we understand this concept that the Bible talks about of seeing that which is unseen. You understand, there is an unseen realm, like there's stuff going on around us. We're going to live forever, eternity, heaven. I mean, like it's not, it's not fables, it's not fairy tales, it's the real deal. And, and when we step into that place of eternity, we're going to see things with greater clarity that, that we've missed perhaps while we're living our lives, chasing everything we can accomplish and achieve in this world. So the statement I want to make: we're destined to live unfulfilled lives if we neglect the unseen realm. So I, I thought this would be a good demonstration for you this. Um, we did something that I do not recommend anybody do. We, we had a conversation about spring break, and the girls, our daughters, have never been to Six Flags. And like, we're right down the road from Six Flags. And when when they mentioned they'd never been to Six Flags, we suddenly had the thought, well, let's just go to Six Flags for spring break. Yeah, I I just want to encourage you, if you ever think, I think we should go to Six Flags for spring break, I would suggest you take your right hand, shoulder high, make a fist and punch yourself in the face repeatedly (laughs) until you no longer think that that's a good idea. Uh, and so we got in the car and we drove down and, like, uh, almost got in a fight in the parking lot. And, and it was all Tracy's fault. It wasn't my fault at all. We're trying to get in, and the guy, you know, like everybody's trying to go. And you got this one lane, and you get in the lane, people. Do not get in the other lane and get up in front of people. I mean, are you crazy? And so we're here, and all of a sudden the car behind us is honk, honk. And so I'm looking back, and I realize there's a war going on behind us because the car had pulled up past all these and then was going to cut in front of the guy behind us. And so, I mean, it's getting intense back there, and I'm thinking they're going to hit me. Finally, Tracy says, Let's just let them in which seems like a Christian thing to do, is she rolled down her window and motioned them forward, which they really appreciated as they pulled in front of us, which the people behind us did not very much appreciate. Now they were not cussing and honking at them, they were cussing and honking at us. <sighs> Intently. And so then we go to the, the, the parking area, and this is where it gets really cool. Because the people were so thankful that we let them in, They actually paid for our parking. And then we were able to pass that on to the angry people. (laughs) See, the thing that we have to understand is the key to living a fulfilling life, listen very carefully, is to learn to live for purposes beyond ourselves because we were created by God for purposes beyond our own you, you follow me and something really transacted there and, and, and it's just that that whole unseen realm like you can't see kindness but you can practice it and, uh, and so we go on in like after all this uh, battle was going on and I thought I was gonna have to break out you know some of my, my moves um, but as we as we went on in I mean, I just want to tell you, six flags at spring break, 30-minute line. Okay, I know that doesn't sound like a lot to you, but stay with me. 30 minutes in line, not for a ride, that's to go (laughs) pee-pee. 30 minutes to sit on the porcelain altar. 30 I mean, if it's 30 minutes to ride a roller coaster, that's one thing, but it was like Sweet! You know, I mean, we are, we have got to make the most of this. <laughs> Whatever we have to do. I, I want you to know we in Six Flags stood in line all day long. And we rode, count them, four rides. <laughs> If the bathroom takes 30 minutes, I don't know how many hours the roller coaster takes, but it's a lot. And so I factored it all up and found that we paid $300 to go to Six Flags, so we paid $75 a ride. Just take your hand, make a fist. (laughs) Here's my point we had a blast. No kidding. We were surrounded by people who were angry, frustrated, sweaty, hot, complaining. But you know what? We've learned something. As Christians, we all need to learn something. We don't show up to have fun. We show up and we are the fun. And so like we played this game, what's it called? Yeah, catch up. Yeah, heads up. You can tell I know a lot about it. So heads up, and we played this game, and we're laughing in the lines and having so much fun and telling stories and, like, these long lines. Like, everybody was there to ride the scene thing, but we were experiencing the unseen thing. You understand? Like, our relationship fostered this conversation. Tracy and I made out so much that Faith said, you're like a couple of teenagers. Can you stop that? I mean, we are there to enjoy. I just want you to know Six Flags has some amazing Kissing, if you're with the right person. (laughs) (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What What are the invisible things that we've neglected because we're so focused on the visible? How frustrated are you with your marriage? How frustrated are you with your vacation? How frustrated are you with your home? How frustrated are you with your job? because you've been looking at that which is seen, neglecting that which is unseen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm not going to walk around feeling discontent about every area of my life because God has called me for purposes bigger than just trying to find out how I can be fulfilled. And this is the next principle. This is such a great principle. This will really change your life if you can get this. uh, Sorry, Psalms 23, 5. I mean, have you ever thought about this? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What does that mean? Like, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Here, here's bottom line. This is what this means. Relax. God is in control. How many of you have been uptight about things before and then you realize later, I didn't really have to waste all that energy being uptight about things. Relax. God is in control. Like, the you know... He prepares a table, like sit down and have a meal with Jesus when somebody is a critic. I know you want to get worked up, and I know you want to get angry, but what happens when you allow yourself to get worked up and angry is you become bitter. And when you become bitter, you're not a good person to live with. You're not a good person to be married to. You're not a good person to parent. You're not a good person at work. You're not a good person anywhere. And so stop getting all worked up and just sit and have a meal with Jesus, like a communion meal where he's having a conversation with you and you're telling him the situation that's going on. But the Lord prepares the table in the presence of your enemies. And, and you just have to understand, we all know that God can bless us through our friends, but most of us don't realize God actually chooses to use our enemies to bless us. I know it sounds crazy, but let me just take you on a journey of explanation just a little bit. That friend that that betrayed you, that coworker that's trying to make you look bad, the person that walked away from you, it's all part of God's plan to get you where you need to be so that he can take you where you need to go so that you can do everything he has called you to do. Stop complaining. Stop complaining about what has frustrated you and let God use it as a stepping stone to get you higher in the purposes of God. You know, the story of David and Goliath, I mean, we all know this shepherd boy fought against this warrior and and, uh, there he comes in and, and kills the warrior. I mean, it's an interesting story. It's an amazing story. But I want you to think about David and Goliath. Goliath was David's enemy. You and I would only know David as a shepherd boy had it not been for his enemy, Goliath. Are you tracking me? Like, if it hadn't been for an enemy coming into his life, an adversary, that he then could go out and battle and conquer and be maneuvered into the place God had called him to, then we would have never known him for anything more than just a shepherd boy that'd been neglected and forgotten. God could have moved on the king's heart. You know, King Saul was right there and he brought David in and said, David, go ahead if you feel you can beat the giant, go. You understand, King Saul was for David. Do you agree? In that moment in time, he was for David. God could have moved on David's friend, who's for him, King Saul's heart, to promote him. But instead of God using David's friend, he logged it and etched it in eternity and in our time so that we can see God doesn't have to use your friends to promote you. He can use your enemies to promote you in the midst of your situation, no matter what your situation may be. It's an important principle. Listen, this is why we don't have to do things to try to make people like us, so they'll give us favors. Get over that. Like, God can use your critics to get you where you need to go. Stop letting Goliath discourage you there. He's not there to defeat you. He's there to promote you. Come on. I want to say that again. I want you to let this sink in. These are two really important principles, pretty simple principles. Stop letting Goliath discourage you. He's not there to defeat you. He's there to promote you. Have you ever been watering, you got your water hose on and the water won't reach as far as you want it to reach? And so what do you do to make the water go further? Put your thumb over the hole or you kink it just right. Have you ever done that before? And so you put that water under pressure and the water goes further than it would otherwise. When the enemy puts you under pressure, you will go further than you thought you could. You will do more. than you. Listen, God knows what's inside you. He put it there and I'm calling to it. I'm saying, wake up. Wake up the eternal purposes of God that exists within your life circumstances are not great enough to contain you and confine you and hold you back there is no force coming against you listen loud and clear there's no force coming against you that can compare to the power of God that is at work within you don't grow discouraged don't give up and devote yourself to an eternal perspective that moves beyond yourself and see what God will do I I said this last week and I want to just say it for all of you to hear. Uh, We were talking about, like, making a difference and, I mean, all the vision and plans and things that we see, you know, everything that's going on now, continued expansion of our school, our enrollment of almost 700 kids and, you know, wonderful things going on this campus, but there's property across the street, there's a home for unwed mothers that God is going to bring into the mix. I mean, if you know, God has some things in store and He has some things in mind. And I said this last week and I want to say it because it's, it's like people would say, Pastor Lawrence, are you saying that you want us to reorganize our schedule and reorganize our life so that our time and our money are devoted to expanding the kingdom of God in the earth? And the answer to that is, yes, that's exactly what I'm asking you to do. We believe in life transformation. We believe God puts the pieces back together in a place of fallen humanity. We believe that God has called us together as a family to establish lifestyles that will produce legacy, that will outlive every single one of us because we have devoted ourselves to be the church that God's called us to be. And I'm asking you to reorganize your life in such a way that you take a step forward in a posture of greater surrender so that you can honor the Lord Jesus Christ and His death and His burial and His resurrection to establish the church. We openly admit in this place we are frustrated with church, organized religion. We are. But that does not give us the right not to love what Jesus has chosen to love. So we're going to make the best of it. We're going to come together, have open conversations, be authentic about our faith, and ask God to help us be more of what he wants us to be so the world will become a better place as a result of our surrendered available lives. Come on, let's give this King Jesus. Let's give this King Jesus the, appra- the applause that he deserves. Let's give this King Jesus the praise that he deserves. Hey! We gather in your name, Lord. We gather in the name of Jesus. We honor you. I am going to ask you, each week we have an action point conclusion. We're not here to just listen to sermons or we're just getting more religious. We're here to put into actions the things that God's stirring in our hearts. There are too many things for you to put it all into action at one time, you'd go crazy. We call that religion. But God's about something bigger than that. Listen carefully. He awakens things in our hearts just one piece at a time. And all we have to do is take a step in the direction that he is awakening and not feel bad about all the other stuff. One step at a time. So the action point for you this week, next week, we are going to have a youth takeover service. We believe in the next generation in this house. And I want to ask you to come back so that we can support the next generation as they express their gifts and allow God to enlarge them. I believe it will enlarge us. And you might say, Pastor Lawrence, are you asking me to uh, rearrange my schedule so that I can go to church? I absolutely am. I am. But the only reason I'm asking you to do that it's because God says in His Word, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. God asks us to gather together. I'm sorry, folks, we're not here for an egg hunt today. We're here because Jesus is alive. The egg hunt's going to come, but this is about Jesus. Come on!